You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. There's the famous sound of the touch tones indicating it is time for our Straight Talk segment on Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer, priests of the Diocese of Fargo, joining you today. And uh, we are going to be visiting about um, a whole bunch of different things, but we want to hear from you, 877-795-0122. And also you can submit questions on a Facebook page on the Facebook page of Real Presence Radio. I was just thinking those touch tones, that's a, a Gen X experience for people growing <laughs> up. You know, if there were radio promotions and, uh, you know, they would use like a soundbite or something like that and be the ninth caller and be registered to win such and such. And, and you know, it seemed like I was always like whenever, I did that is like your caller number eight click no <laughs> you know just this just two days ago I'm standing with a mom and her son and she turns to him and says you're such a broken record and he looks at her and says what's that mom Oh my goodness! Like we don't know what a broken record is. We don't know what a touchstone is. We don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, <laughs> iron- ironically, a lot of the hipsters are getting back into vinyl and using records. But uh, but still, I mean, yes, yes, a lot of younger people have no idea what that metaphor means. Yes, indeed. So straight talk on Real Presence Live, and we look forward to hearing from you. One eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Okay, so Father Gross, I want to throw some low hanging fruit out there to see if we can stimulate people to call in. Fantastic. Okay, so here's the low hanging fruit. Tomorrow's the the feast of Saint Joseph. The solemnity um, husband and the, of Mary. In the Fargo of Diocese, uh, Bishop Fuller is gonna consecrate the whole diocese. He's gonna be at Saint Joseph's in Devil's Lake. And uh, for for the year, I I'm fortunate enough to have one of my three parishes, Saint Joseph and okay. Lincoln. So we're going to do it as the three parishes, and also individually the consecration. But it brings up this whole thing. We're in Lent, and it's a Friday, and it's a solemnity in Lent. So here, this, this mm-hmm. doesn't happen very often, but when it does, solemnity takes precedence over the Lent day, and so you actually can choose to eat meat tomorrow on a Friday and Lent, a very rare occasion mm-hmm. in, in the experience of a Catholic. And so the low-hanging fruit question is, um, okay, are you going to eat meat tomorrow in joining with the whole church's solemnity of St. Joseph? Or are you going to keep the, the spirit of Lent kind of and say, you know what, I don't, I don't give up meat very often for the sake of penance or whatever. I'm just mm-hmm. going to continue that. It's kind of like one of those questions about Sundays. Yeah. What yeah. do you do with Sundays in Lent? Do you keep your penance going or do you give yourself a break? Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, we'd love to hear from the listeners. Like, what, what are your plans? What are you going to do? What are you not going to do? How do you, feel, do you feel strongly one way or another about this? Yeah. How do you mm-hmm. want to participate? And Or other things coming up with the, the Triduum or Holy Week. What are your family traditions? What are the things that you do? What kind of food things you do? Like we always had, we had fish, you know, or, or like you're supposed to follow the Good Friday fast through Holy Saturday. A lot of people don't realize that. Mm-hmm. You know, are you one who actually does that? Or do you go out and have a big steak on Holy Saturday morning? You know, right, right. kind of yep. a thing. Yep. What is the Paschal fast? How do you, uh, you know, participate in it? Things like that. Or perhaps with regard to days like tomorrow with a solemnity that lands on a Friday in Lent, are you in a context? Context where people who know you well are going to see you, let's say if you go to the local diner and if you're having a, a burger and fries or something like that, 
is it going to be awkward for you or uh, opportunity of scandal possibly because they don't know it's a solemnity right yes yes indeed. great stuff don't you think father gross absolutely and we're looking forward to hearing from you about a number of these things we've got a bunch of people who are starting to uh, call in we have jim from raymond south dakota welcome to real presence live yes thank you what's your question for us this morning well, it's, it's kind of a two-part question. I grew up in the Diocese of Rapid City, and the, that diocese uh, promoted eating fish on Friday only during Lent. And now I live in the Diocese of Sioux Falls, and it seems like that's uh, not at all the interpretation here. It's uh, fish on every Friday all year long. And so I wonder... Uh, which it is indeed, in fact, uh, what is the, the, the straight line to follow now? And also then, if those two different interpretations stemmed from uh, what I believe to be the fact is that the Diocese of Rapid City stemmed off the Diocese of Denver and the Diocese of Sioux Falls stemmed off the Diocese of Minneapolis, uh, could those those uh, political uh, origins be part of the difference in the uh, interpretation, or or did I just fall off the boat? No, J- Jim. Great question. It's a great question because especially like when you're on the ground Catholic and you're experiencing these things, you know, you're like, wait, what's what's up? What's down? What's going on here? Um, although you know our, our politics will affect us in a personal way, how we express our faith and so forth. Um, it's it's not going to have anything much to do with where the diocese originated from or, or that. Um, so here, let's we'll take a step back and we'll look at this from a universal perspective. So um, the Code of Canon Law, it was in 1983, it was it was updated Universal Code for the whole Church, governing the whole Church. So if you if you go and take a look at the the Universal Code, what after Vatican II, uh, this is how it's been updated now. Prior to Vatican II, it said uh, every Friday of the year is to remember the fact that Christ died for us in his flesh. Uh, it's, it's, it's a day of penance. And so the, the ordinary way of observing that day of penance was to abstain from meat. And this was the universal practice throughout the Catholic world. Um, after Vatican II, um, it said uh, every Friday of the year is still, it's, it's a sacred day for Catholics. That's the day the Lord died for us in the flesh. And so it is a day of penance, and it says the ordinary way in which that is done is by abstaining from meat. Okay, so that, that's, that's universal. But then after Vatican II, they, they put a little exception clause in there saying, unless for um, outside of the season of Lent, unless there's a, a, a good reason uh, to, to need to eat meat on that day, you can substitute some other form of penance for from abstaining from meat. So, for example, maybe you're having, I don't know, maybe someone's getting wa- married and you're at the marriage banquet and it's a Friday. And so you participate in that celebration by eating meat, but maybe uh, you, you pray the rosary as, as a substitute for the penance. Now, and then it goes on to say, except during the season of Lent. During the season of Lent, uh, without exception, every Friday, um, Every Catholic has a moral obligation to abstain from meat, to join in that sacrificial nature of Christ on the cross, atonement for our sins during Lent. Now this year it's a very rare exception, and and here's the exception. Um, This Friday happens to be a solemnity. 
so solemnity takes precedence over things that'd be like a Sunday or Easter. So it's a solemnity of St. Joseph, the husband of Mary, which is a week away from Mary conceiving Christ in her womb. That's why we have the feast of Joseph, the husband of Mary, but especially this year of Joseph, but even every year it is a solemnity. So when a solemnity falls on a Friday in Lent, then, then there is permission to eat meat. So this is a rare exception. Um, this particular Friday. I remember in, in our diocese a number of years ago, um, St. Patrick fell on a Friday. Now, St. Patrick for us locally is not a solemnity. It's just a feast day. So you still had a moral right. obligation. Right, and, and, and as, a, as a memorial, it would often be suppressed. And, right, and yeah. so the people petitioned Bishop Sullivan at that time. Would he make this a solemnity for the diocese? Even though he was Irish, they thought that he would. And <laughs> he came along and said, no, no, we're, we're not going to do that. It's right. still need to abstain. Yeah, so. and places like Bishop, uh, Boston and New York, you might find different circumstances because of the local makeup of the Because it might be a solemnity. Actually, if your parish is St. Patrick's, that yes. would be a solemnity for you. So. That's right. And uh, another thing that I'm thinking as uh, Jim was asking this question, is that culturally speaking, the way people interpret Friday as a day of the week is not very congruous with this idea of um, remembering the day in which the Lord had died. A lot of people think of Friday as, uh, you know, excess. So let it all hang out. The weekend is starting. It's time to party. And so it really is a countercultural thing to do what, for example, a lot of people are popularly doing if they uh, pray the Chaplet of Divine Mercy at 3 p.m., the hour of mercy on a Friday, every Friday, as a way of marking that. So really, it is a cult countercultural sort of thing, but is um, you know something that uh, we really should not make light of and that we really ought to be um, recommending to people to, to mark in, in, in a substantial way. And, and, now, and then for, for Jim, just to, because the second half of your question, just to touch on that briefly, um, can there be different spiritual emphasis in different dioceses or different parishes or different? Ab- absolutely. Yeah, I mean, and, and we, we see that, like even we look at different bishops around the world and this bishop might be considered more devotional and this one might be considered more social justice or something. So th- there can be different flavors or spirits within even dioceses or parishes. And so, you know, I'm not right. going to be ignorant of that. That, that is, yes. can be a reality. And so one diocese might emphasize more the... Um, penance aspect, and the other diocese mm-hmm. might emphasize more yeah. the freedom aspect. Right, so. and the authority that bishops have is such that it's not something that is just being consolidated when it comes to everything, or somebody from the neighboring diocese, or the metropolitan is just trumping decisions that are being made. But uh, thank you very much for calling, Jim, and uh, have a blessed day. Thank you. The same to you. All right, 877-795-0122 is our number for Straight Talk. You can also submit questions on our Facebook page for Real Presence Radio. We have a question now um, from Duke, from um, Denver, Colorado. Luke is calling in from Denver. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Well, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, First-time listener, first-time caller, (laughs) Father Lester. Wonderful. Luke Halwig, I, I, I... I'd recognize your voice anywhere, Luke. Are, are you stalking us? <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I do my best. Uh, how, how is how is life and how is life and focus and, and all that? You having having a good time? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, pandemic's been rough on on a lot of people, but uh, working in digital outreach, working with you know, I was a uh, I was a fan and working on Zoom long before uh, everybody else uh, hopped on board. So it's. Uh, it's been uh it's been great just seeing uh yeah just the way that god works even in these yeah crazy students college students all across the nation even though they're 
not on campus. They're not in that, that normal situation that they're still able to take the grace of God and to share it with others. Uh, you know, it, it sounded like, um, you know, the what you did for SEEK this year in the regionals and through and through technology, that it was a, it was it worked out very well. Is that is that true? Oh, no. Luke, Luke. Oh, I'm I'm back. I'm here. Okay, I was gonna say, you know, because you had technology for for Focus National. There, it seemed like what you guys did with Seek and the regional conferences this this year was a, a huge success. Yeah, it was it was really amazing, and I mean, I think it, it hit on something that has always been the most important thing about Seek and our conferences is that it's never been about the speakers or the location or you know, the fancy hotel or whatever it might be, but it's been about encountering Jesus. And to be able to really emphasize that this year by saying, hey, you know, parish or student or individual, what if instead of coming to the conference, you got two, three, ten people together in your living room, in your parish hall, and you encounter Jesus in that, in that smaller, more intimate setting? And I think we just saw some really amazing results because of that. And you know, got pictures from all around the nation of, you know, one of my friends, uh, his wife converted their garage into, like, you know, they brought their couches and a rug and kind of made their garage into this mm-hmm. uh, really cool area for people from their parish to come and, and experience the talks and, and the formation and, and adoration together and then be able to really wrestle with it and share it right there, you know, in their own home. Good stuff. That is excellent. Well, um, uh, what's your question for us today? I guess it's about uh, the celebration of the Triduum, right? Yeah, absolutely. I just, uh, you know, I got to spend four years with him at the University of North Dakota, and that he just did such a great job of explaining, and I'd love to kind of, you know, ask the quote. The, uh, the three liturgies that happen over the Triduum, Holy Thursday, on and the Easter Vigil are all one liturgy, actually. Is that right, Father? And can you tell us why is that? You know, why mm-hmm. does the Church kind of, do we live that out? And, and it's three distinct, you know, times, but it's actually one liturgy. Right. Uh, that's the way that things are kind of laid out if a person pays, pays close attention. For example, the Mass for Holy Thursday begins in the normal way, but it does not end in the normal way. So once you have the prayer after communion, there is an exposition of the Blessed Sacrament and ideally the relocation of the Blessed Sacrament to a chapel outside of the church proper. So um, without the final blessing and dismissal on that Mass, some people have the sense that it sort of leaves you hanging, but it's almost like the to be continued so that we are looking ahead to what is to come. And then on Good Friday uh, is a very solemn, stark experience where uh, the procession in uh, just uh, commences after that with uh, with the opening prayer. And then the, the closing prayer is a procession out so that there is, isn't, you might say, the bookends of the, the, op- the traditional greeting and blessing. And then the vigil mass on Saturday evening does not begin with the typical uh, start of the sign of the cross and greeting, but uh, the blessing of a fire and the, the lighting of the Easter candle and a procession in, so that you're basically flowing from one to the next to the next in a, a single movement. You know, and I, that's why like, a lot of people will say, like, hey, I'm, are you going to Mass on Good Friday? You know, whatever. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's always interesting to say, well, actually, there isn't a Mass. It, it's a communion service that has continued from the Mass Thursday mm-hmm. through the completion at they say that liturgy ends at the Gloria at the, the Easter Vigil basically 
kind of a thing. Hey, hey Luke, I'd be curious because I know you and Sarah are very active in your faith and so forth. What, what kind of things as a family, what kind of like little traditions have you developed with your children that you observe for, say, the Triduum? What, how have you made it a d- domestic experience in your domestic church? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question, Father. And I think uh, it was really put to the test this last year when, you know, we couldn't go to the liturgies. Uh, here in Denver, uh, you know, all the churches were closed down. And so we really had to say, uh, how do we live this, you know, internal reality without the typical external sign of, of the liturgies? And, um, I mean, Holy Thursday, I mean, one thing we did right from the beginning, which was amazing and the kids loved, is we, we converted one of our rooms into a chapel, for the for the Triduum and Easter, just you know, we told the kids, "Hey, go through the house and get any any Jesusy thing you can find." You know, <laughs> Jesus, Mary, Joseph, pictures, statues, and get them all. And, and we just put them all in the playroom, and you know, kind of made a little altar, and we had a ton of candles in there. And so, right right away from Thursday, you know, we we watched the Thursday Mass, and then you know, was there I, any as, fo- as a hey, Luke, watched, was there any oh, foot washing go going on in your home? You see, I, you cut me off a little too early there, Father. I was just going to say, <laughs> right after the, the the Holy Thursday Mass, uh, we watched the live stream, and, and then I, yeah, I washed my family's feet, and then we took turns washing each other's feet, uh, you know, and then we spent some time, you know, we turned off all the lights, lit the candles, and spent some time in prayer, you know, again, like our kids, like in the garden. Um, and then we even we went outside. We actually took a couple candles and went outside in our backyard, uh, just for you know, just for ten minutes, the kids were six and four. So, but just for ten minutes outside in the dark yeah. to to kind of say like, hey, like Jesus would have been in the dark, praying in the garden, you know, feeling very alone and scared. Uh, and so, just to, to invite the family into that. So that was kind Good of Thursday. Uh, and then, yeah, Friday uh, we got a couple old like wood planks out of the out of the shed, and uh, the kids nailed together their own little cross. Um, and then we did stations of the cross and. Uh, you know, just again, same kind of thing. Uh, my wife, she's so good. She had already printed out uh, all the stations of the cross and framed them, and so we brought all those out and just again placed them around our yard uh, and just did uh, many stations of the cross on our own. And the kids carried their own little crosses and um, and then yeah, and then we we did our best, you know, for the rest of Friday, just kind of spend time in silence and uh, you know not not do anything too fun or exciting, but to kind of just stay silent and maybe read books and pray. Um, yeah, and then and then for the the Easter, you know, we uh, Saturday morning um, we we kind of tried to think like, okay, what are the apostles doing Saturday morning? Well, Peter goes back to fishing because he has, you know, he's like, well, it's the only thing I know. So we're gonna try to make Saturday like kind of a work day. It's like, well, let's let's clean up. Like, let's think about the twofold reality here. That one, the disciples had no idea what to do, so they went back to the only thing they knew. But also, we know that. Christ will rise. Uh, you know, we get that that great blessing to be on this side of the resurrection, to know the end of the story. And so it's like, hey, let's prepare uh, not only our hearts, but our, our house and our and our home as well. And so just, you know, the clean up. And then, and then Easter morning, it's just, you know, how, how much fun and, and celebration can we have? And uh, one, one tradition that we do is it's called a resurrection roll. So you, you basically make a, a, a like a, a roll dough. And then you put cinnamon on the inside, and then you put a marshmallow on the inside, and then you throw them in the oven. And when you bake it, the marshmallow melts. So then when you open up the roll, oh my gosh, where is it? You know, and just to symbolize again that, you know, they laid his body in the tomb, and when they came the next day, you know, 
Syracuse wasn't there. And Very so good. I think, I mean, and, and, and I'll be honest, you know, we, we've definitely put a lot of time and thought in that. But to anyone listening, like, start small. Like, even just picking one of those things. Um, but just kind of, yeah, how can you help your kids? Uh, and yourself, like, live that, that external reality that, that Jesus loves us and he died mm-hmm. for us. So, Luke, the most important question, quickly, yes or no? Meat tomorrow or no meat? Well, okay, quickly, yes, meat tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, come on. It, it's the year of St. Joseph. It's the feast of St. Joseph. It's on a Friday. I mean... What Let's be Catholic, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, hey, Luke, this is, this, this is awesome. For, <laughs> this is awesome. We, we, for all of us, maybe don't go too crazy because I don't want you throwing up. But if, if not, go, I mean, have a burger, have a steak, go for it. <laughs> Thanks, Luke. Thank you so much for calling in. Hope to hear from you again. And all the best Absolutely. to you and your Thanks. work with Focus. Thank you so very much, good. you guys. God bless you. All right, thank you very much. We have just a few minutes left for our Straight Talk segment, and another person who is on the line here, Chris, is calling in from Bismarck. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, gentlemen, and thanks for the, the wonderful work that you guys do. Thank you. Yeah, and so uh, what's is, your question for us? Yeah, so these, these two questions are actually coming from uh, youth that I serve here as catechists in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully, hopefully you got enough time to take stabs and I'm going to try to stump you guys with these, so we'll see. Um, <laughs> Very good. The, the first is, how, how, do you, how do you reconcile or think about, um, so in the Eucharist, eating the flesh of Christ and this, this whole thing of cannibalism? Uh, that's the first one. The second one, uh, why would God still create knowing um, all that would happen? Essentially, the question was, uh, what's the point? <laughs> so yeah, those okay. are a couple questions I have for you, gentlemen. Very good. Uh, yep, we'll we'll tackle those one at a time. Okay, I, I don't think I don't think you're going to stump us, but we'll we'll try to we'll try to be clear. Let's take the second one first because I think that's that's a one word answer, which is shortness of time here, and the answer to that one is love. You know, why did God still create us, knowing everything that was going to happen, even after the fall and sin? Right. And, and the the answer to that is love. Like, why why does somebody get married? Uh, even though they know that marriage is going to be hard, and the answer is love. Why, why do people have children, even though they know it's going to be complete sacrifice and complete consuming their lives to take care of the, it's, the answer is love, right? Why does a man lay down his life to become a priest? Mm-hmm. Uh, and if he, if he you know, knows all the pain and suffering that's going to go along with it, it's, it, it, it's love. And, and we could develop that deeper, but for right. the, uh, because of time, yeah, yeah. And just one, one other quick thing about that is that, uh, you know, God's creation was not compelled by anyone else. There's nobody else who could force God to create what he created, but he wanted to manifest his goodness and his glory in something outside of himself. And yes, it, it so happened that the disobedience of our first parents brought about original sin and the need of a remedy, but the consequent will of God, I think that was sort of the um, a theological term, you know, is that all people be saved and come to the knowledge of his truth. Um, and so that uh, gets around the impression of God just being this monster, you know. It's like, well, the creation has happened, but everything is so deformed that why, you know, should it have been created in the first place? And, and, I, and I think, you know, just put it simply, Father Gross, is that uh, uh, God delights in the fact that we are in his image and likeness. I mean, he, he you know, like any father, he he delights in us. He loves us, even right. even though we kind of mess it up, you know, mm-hmm. and he's there to... To restore it and his glory yeah. cannot be yeah. undone okay and then uh chris you had uh, uh the first question you asked was how is eating the body of christ not considered cannibalism 
Mm-hmm. Um, okay, well, this, you know, this was actually a charge of the early church, the early Christians, wasn't it? I mean, they, because uh, uh, people from the outside said, well, who are these people of the way? Or they became known as, as, as Christians, the anointed ones. And they'd get together and have this thing called, you know, sacrifice of the mass. And they would talk about they're eating the body mm-hmm. of their God, you know, and how could that not be cannibalism? So the, the, the simple answer on this, like, kind of a two-part answer is it truly is the body blood soul and divinity of christ the eucharist truly is um the sacrifice now when we it's memorial in the sense that we are being taken back to good friday we're being taken back to the conception his life suffering death mm-hmm. good friday his burial his resurrection so literally when we celebrate the mass the holy spirit takes us back there so right. there's, and there's no re-execution of exactly the Lord. so there's only one sacrifice going on now mm-hmm. there, there truly is a communion there truly is an eating and, and a communion but uh, how the church fathers explain is they said it, it's the it's the unbloodied sacrifice of christ this truly is the eucharist in, in mm-hmm. the form of bread and wine right and we are truly participating becoming one with our god through this um through this true eating but it but it's not the bloodied sacrifice right. it's not right the it's not an act of uh, desecration or violence and also we have to look at the the uh, literal um uh, I- interpretation of some of the verbs that jesus uses in chapter six of the gospel of john unless you eat the flesh and drink the blood of the son of man you have no life in you um people try to smooth that out in a sense by talking about it in a very euphemistic way like to to feed or to partake but if you look at the greek meaning of the word eat that's being used there it's a very tactile like to gnaw or chew you know imagine a caveman with the the big leg <laughs> you know drumstick you know and working on it that sort of thing so we we would, in a sense, be denying that very meaning of what our Lord himself said if we were to refute, you know, his own teaching on the Eucharist. And, and then theologically, understanding the whole sense of sacrifice, that sacrifice is not complete until it is eaten. So, like, even to the pagan gods and so forth, when you would sacrifice, it's not complete until there's a partaking of the sacrifice that was offered. It's not just the, the yielding of something, yeah. That, that's right. So, so the, again, to focus on the why is this not considered cannibalism, what the the church fathers say is because they use the term it's the unbloodied expression of this that it really is a true participation in what's taking place in a communion mm-hmm. but on our end at in you know on um march 18th of 2021 as no. we participate here it's the unbloodied expression of that sacrifice and offering right, right so that no matter when we live no matter where we are we can be a part of this uh, and and the merits of that sacrifice and that sacramental representation so to speak so we are just about out of time thank you very much chris and thanks everyone else for your questions uh made for a very quick segment here of straight talk today <laughs> and um we have great expectations for this next interview see what i did there father <laughs> that's, nancy, very, that's very punny <laughs> nancy gord and father william slattery will be joining us to review one of the most popular books by charles dick Stay with us as we talk about that and perhaps other issues as well. We will also be visiting with the mighty Quinn, Bishop Quinn of the Diocese of Winona, Rochester, in the next hour. So stay tuned for that. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Real Presence Live.